0: Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Tammy Moxon is an artist in Queensland who released her debut album Fall in Time in 2016 then Drive Me Sane in 2019. She intended to go back to the studio in 2020, but, of course, all those sorts of plans were derailed. But it was worth waiting for her new single, Fighting Chance, with the promise of more songs to come. So we're going to talk about the single, maybe a bit about the album, the last album. Hi, Tammy.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. I am going to get right into Fighting Chance, though, and uh, I understand that it started life on a sunset cruise from Magnetic Island to Townsville, but you were not a passenger on the cruise.
1: No, I was working. I was um, the serenader, I guess you can call it. <laughs> um, I was uh, on the top deck with like a busking amp and my guitar, and I'd sing to the passengers going to and from uh, Townsville and Maggie Island. And that was about six or oh, four or six trips or something like that. And right. the last trip, usually it was on a Friday. And the last trip back to Townsville um, usually had no one on it because. No one really wanted to go to Townsville for the weekend when you're on Maggie Island already. Um, so I would just sit on the passenger seat and just play on the guitar. So it looked like I was playing, because I might as well I was paying getting paid for it. And um just play on the guitar until I found a melody. That's how the melody came about. Um right. the lyrics didn't come about till a year later. But yeah, that's that was a nice way to write a write a, a melody is yeah. yeah, cruising on a barge. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm curious when you're singing in an, in an environment like that because it's it's not just an outdoor gig, it's a moving outdoor gig on a boat and oh, yeah. you sort of you've got the sea and the sea air around you. Do, uh, do you have to or are the things that can happen to your voice if there's too much salt in the air, that sort of thing, do you have to learn to adapt to those conditions?
1: Uh, sea sickness, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I do get sick. Oh, wow, I'm saying this on here. Um, <laughs> I have a few times, yep. Um, but the staff were very uh, lovely about it and they said, don't worry, we get seasick too. But it was just finding a way to sit down. I ended up finding a way to be able to sing and not feel sick. And right. that was I had to sit down kind of like in a stool, kind of like a this high, oh, yeah, like the height of a stool, find yeah. something in the height of the stool, sit on that, have one leg on the guitar case, one leg on the floor, and then I was, I could kind of steady myself then. It wow, was kind okay. of like, kind of like when you, when you, um, I guess you're drunk and you need the f- your foot on the floor when you're in bed <laughs> to, <top Yeah>. of, <laughs> to stop the room from spinning. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that, that helped. And um, I found my little, and I didn't, I was good then. I was, I was a pro at singing on a boat. <laughs> Um
0: yeah, because I imagine seasickness would really affect your ability to finish a set. Um, it's it's yeah. very pleasant when it happens. Yeah. It's
1: not nice. oh. Sorry, did, I can't believe I brought this up. Well, I anyway. asked you. I asked you about yeah. the conditions
0: like you didn't bring it up. I totally got it out of you. Um did it happen the first time you played or did it take certain conditions to get seasick? Um the top
1: deck wasn't so bad. Like I did kind of get a bit ill, not nauseous, but it wasn't. It was when I was on the actual bottom deck where the cars are. Oh they got me yeah, you couldn't
0: see anything, right? Yeah. yeah, I half
1: of that gig was not was not <laughs> performing. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> see, these
0: are these are gigs that some people may not realize musicians do. You know, and and it's yeah, the thing you have to do in order to deliver music to the people.
1: Exactly and um yeah it, it gigs a gig and uh, <laughs> it's a, if it, they're paying paying the right money, you do it I guess <laughs> uh, was it the sort of gig where
0: people would request songs
1: oh yeah I'd allow requests yeah um that's pretty much my whole set is people requesting um right. I I I don't I generally don't have a set list because um I'd rather the the um crowd tell me what they want to hear it's a bit different at a festival because it's a bigger crowd you can't really um it's not you know you can't really connect with them you know face to face mm. they kind of it's a bit you know they're a bit further away so that's you know a setless kind of gig but um when I'm doing you know clubs and pubs you know more intimate gigs yeah it's a very request heavy um set and usually I have like a I had. I usually have like a QR code for people to scan. This is like um, well, a QR code. This is uh, hangover from COVID when people, because I live in Queensland, so for a long time people couldn't be within. I think it was like three or four meters of us. Right. So, um, so I had a QR code for people to scan, so they knew every single song I knew, and they just they just submit the songs. I get them in my emails on my iPad on stage. <laughs>
0: That's and so I still good. like that.
1: People still know about it. So every now and then when I'm on stage, I get emails saying, Can you sing this? Can you sing that? And that also has my songs on there too. So people do request my songs, which is nice. <laughs> How big's your repertoire? Um, it's It'd be over 800 songs, I'd say. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm trying for a thousand, but I. Last count it was 700 and I'm pretty sure I've put a lot more on there since then. That was probably a year ago I last counted. So, yeah, it's it's definitely growing. And the good thing is people down the bottom, I get people to tell me what I need to learn and people aren't afraid to tell me what I need to learn. <laughs> so that helps me um, know what I'm going to learn next, especially um, when there's abundance of people, you know, telling me what to learn, especially if it's a Luke Combs song. Yep. Oh right, okay. Morgan Wallen's song, yep, that they're, they're okay. very popular. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see what people like and in different area like postcodes or you know, towns or whatever. Um, everyone's different. It's very eclectic, you know, like Ellie Beach is a very um, they they're more of a like a reggae kind of town. And right. then you go to Townsville, which is more like a country town, like country music town. And yeah. you go in, inland, and um, yeah, they they like their Australian country as well. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to see what people want to hear, and you try and learn as much as you can just to kind of please everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is such
0: amazing cultural insight <laughs> to how yeah. different sounds and you know what's popular because the sort of thing that only someone in your position would pick up um, unless it's the radio stations programming in a certain way, I guess. But that that is fascinating. I could probably talk to you about this for an hour, but I will get <laughs> to your music because we are talking about your music. And I'm going to bring us back to Fighting Chance and ask you, okay. what is the song about?
1: Fighting Chance is, um, well, the lyrics were written in those first couple of weeks of COVID, the shutdown. Um, so there was a lot going on um online because people couldn't really talk to each other face to face so there was a bit going on we didn't really know what was going on in the industry and there was a bit there was there was questions people were questioning whether our industry um needed help and they were saying we weren't essential and there was a lot of nasty things being said and um there was a few musicians saying well excuse me we do pay pay tax like we (laughs) you know like we do um give back so um it was a scary time we were kind of under a lot of scrutiny our industry and um and also we were under you know under a lot of pressure because we're thinking how are we gonna because I'm a full-time musician so I'm thinking you know how am I going to pay the rent like you know it was it was a scary time um so yeah it was pretty much trying to tell people not to turn on each other online um, because we didn't know what was going on. The last thing we needed to do was turn on each other. Um, but that was the chorus in isolation that was written first. And then um, the verses came along and I was like, oh, I'm kind of done singing about that. I'll just make it a love song. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, kind of changed course there. But um, originally it was something serious, I thought. <laughs> and then it just turned into a love song. But, uh, you know, you can apply it to any relationship, I guess. Um, true. and love songs. Can, love songs are serious as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, apply it to anything really. As long, just don't hold a grudge. Don't, yeah, just yeah. get it out in the open and talk about it and move on. That's yeah. my dog. I'm sorry.
0: Don't apologize. I always love having dogs um, on the <laughs> podcast because dogs are great. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned that you wrote, yeah, you wrote the melody. On the on the boat, um, and then the yeah. lyrics come quite a bit later. Is that often the way you write songs if the parts are separate and you'll bring them together at a certain point in time? Do you usually write music first, lyrics first? What's or is there no set pattern to it?
1: I did in the beginning, um, the melody came first and then the lyrics, and that was um, I didn't like that way of writing. Like there's still melodies I've written from when I was 16 that I haven't put lyrics to, and I don't want to say how old I am now, but that was a while ago. So I. <laughs> I um I don't like that way of writing because the melodies are really I think they're really catchy, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like there's no lyrics that make sense that kind of fit with it like that make me happy, and right. um yeah F- fighting chance was unfortunately one of those songs, but um when I went to like the academy of country music and mm-hmm. I I saw how other people were writing um they kind of write around a hook. Um, so they kind of have the melody of the hook and the hook itself, like the you know, the title of the song, they they kind of write around that, it spirals around that. Um that was an easier way of writing. I was more productive writing that way. Um, and I try to write that way if I can help it. <laughs> um but unfortunately fighting chance was just one of those luckily it only took a year, like it's not like <laughs> you know, all these other songs that I've written, uh, you know, written melodies and I haven't, you know, put lyrics to. So um yeah, I guess fighting chance had was yeah, was one of the lucky ones.
0: Well, maybe you could go, though you've been to the academy, you could go to the DAG Sheep Station and take your melodies
1: with you and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull a name out yeah, and, and find good. someone to write lyrics with. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should get someone just to yeah, put lyrics to them because yeah, it's been too long. Uh, I you know, I should have I should have done it by now. <laughs> But look, it's it's so
0: great to have that bank of stuff there to to draw on, and rather than the well being dry. I guess.
1: Well, one of the songs on the album is actually a song I wrote when I was seventeen. It was right after my first breakup, and um, I finally, you know, I finally wrote that thing. Like it was kind of, it was all, it was loose and everything. It wasn't really cemented does that make sense it wasn't I I wasn't happy with it it wasn't finished and I finally finished um yeah after I got a call from Shane saying you're recording in a couple of months hurry up and have some songs (laughs) (laughs) ready so that's the previous album you mean or so this album yeah so (laughs) the the album's pretty much recorded it's just um yeah just slowly introducing the audience to yeah the songs Try and give it as much life as I can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Well, you recorded "Fighting Chance with Shane Nicholson, as you mentioned, and he was your producer for Drive Me Sane as well. Um, Mm. And I thought that Drive Me Sane had this lovely clean sound where your voice and the lyrics were at the forefront, Um, but it also meant that the heartbreaking songs are more heartbreaking because you're right there telling us about them. I wanted to ask in particular about Can't I Fall For You, which to me is the most devastating song on that album in a beautiful way it's such a a great song but I'm wondering what the story
1: is behind it that song was written about um uh, someone it was it was an ex and um he was he was very kind and he was very loving and I couldn't give back and I was like, why can't I fall for you? Because you can deal with my crazy, you can deal with um, my pain and you know how to harm me. Why can't I fall for you the way you love me? And it was, it was a bit of a nasty song, but I, I, it, I didn't mean it to be nasty, but it was it was just, a I guess, a plea. Why? Why mm. do I have to... Um, why do I have to pass this? It was, it was a really, yeah, it was a hard time. And I was, I felt like a horrible person at the time. And it was just, I guess, a a way of getting those feelings out, you know, trying to get over that why, why couldn't I do it? You know?
0: Yeah. I actually didn't think it was nasty at all. I thought it was oh, really. really- yeah, you know, it was it was truly expressing regret that this set of circumstances are coming It wasn't like you were saying, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't care about you. It was actually, I wish yeah. with my whole heart that I could give you my whole heart, but I yeah. cannot.
1: It was a bit it was kind of a sorry song as well. It was um, I guess me explaining myself. So yeah, it was a, it was a sorry song. And I think the person will know who it's about <laughs> when they hear it. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it was it was a sorry song to pretty much explain where I was at yeah. and um, but yeah they're happy they're married now so um, <laughs> it was for the best.
0: <laughs> well it's a great song and in fact there are many great songs on the album which which is a document I think of life and family and love for home and family and I'm wondering if when you set out to write it you had an idea in mind of you want to tell this story about your life and the people you care about or whether that was just the way it came about once it was recorded. Uh, the drive me sane yes drive me sane yeah. yeah
1: it was uh drive me sane was pretty much um a therapy session like all those yeah. songs were therapy sessions um because it was a time in my life where i was questioning you know my self worth you know it was a bad time and mm-hmm. um if if you listen to the like you've listened to my lyrics like that's amazing like that yeah. means a lot um <laughs> um yeah it, listening to it you can probably tell i wasn't in a good place mm-hmm. um but it was me trying to find light in a bad situation, you know what I mean? Like trying to get everything off my chest and find the good in everything. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely a therapy session and um, I was glad I, I got that out of my system because mm. um, once I did, you know, like every time I sing those songs, like especially songs like Survive, like I'm panting by the end of it because, you know, those songs are very, um, they they were written at times where I I didn't know where I was going to be mm-hmm. the next day. You know, I was not in a good place. Let's just yeah, if you can read between the lines. So um, yeah, like singing some of those songs are still hard. Um, I sang "Survive" at the uh, the gig at um, Tropic Fiesta a couple of weeks ago, and I I was tearing up because you know it was. You know, it was a big crowd. the crowd The crowd was my home, like my home in yeah. my hometown, and they they knew what was going on. They knew the song, and they was kind of singing with me. So that was lovely, and just having that um, come back at you, and then the, you know, those emotions just overwhelm you. It was, yeah, it was it was different but yeah oh, is that answering your question
0: sorry yeah it is uh, and i'm also interested that you because you you as discussed you have a big repertoire of songs yeah yeah some mm-hmm. of them aren't yours but you also have two albums behind you and, and you've recorded an album that's coming so you could choose to not sing a song like survive um but obviously yeah. for you there is something significant about continuing to perform it even if it causes you pain
1: yeah well i feel like um because at the beginning, I say, you know, if if these if these words um, relate to you, um, please get help or continue getting help because there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's life, and I'm living proof of that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's pretty much me saying, you know, I'm living proof that you know you can get through this, and um, I'm hoping other people listening to the song um, will get that message as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think that art, your art that you create has has played a part in helping you to survive, that it was
1: actually yes. in having
0: an outlet? Yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, that song oh, that song saved my life, like, absolutely. Like I, I was writing things down because I didn't know if I'd make it through the night. So um, that's why that song's so full on for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, absolutely. And um, like Dolly Parton says, she doesn't need, you know, to pay for a therapist because she's got a songwriting. And it yeah. is true, like, you know, Dolly's Dolly. But, you know, it is true. It is, um, it is, it does help. It does. Mm. And even if you just write it down, just mm. get it out of your system because once, I guess it's kind of like, you know, pr- prayer, when you put it into the hands of someone, you mm. know, release that, you know what I mean? You release mm. that um, anxiety anxiety. It's, you know, it's the transition from you to the page or, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: It's also the first step in you making a connection with your audience, even if it's just one listener who resonates with that song. I think that that act of getting it down, yes, it's saved your life, but it's also it's a, it's a really moving thing, actually. It's basically saying I'm I'm planning to connect. I'm starting mm-hmm. to create a song in this moment, as desperate as I feel. There's something in me that realises there's someone on the other side.
1: Yeah, and th- there's been lovely reactions to it. Like um, I remember some, oh, there was another song from Fallen Full Time was uh, Caving In. Uh, like Caving In and Survive, p- people have come up and said, I've been there, you know, I've um, I've been there and um, I play that song to remind myself that, you know, I've been through that of a time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's good when you hear that, and it makes you um breathe a bit easier because sometimes you think, should I have released something so personal? You know what I mean. Like there is a little bit of taboo around it, and um, it's it's starting to um diminish, but it is it's still unfortunately a thing. And I think the the more we bottle it up, mm-hmm. um, you know, the more pain there is in the world, it's better to just like release it <laughs> yeah
0: and tell me again that the work you do is not essential really when people come up and say things like that yeah. you know they have found their experiences and then yeah it's it is a reminder of how important this work is that you do that other artists do because it, it is giving other people the opportunity to not just see themselves in lyrics but to form a connection back with you
1: yeah, actually, now that you say that, like I remember going through my teenage years and listening to songs, and you know, because I, you know, I, I got teased a little bit in high school, and like you hear lyrics of songs back then, and it got you through high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I, essential yeah. worker. It is essential. Essential work. work. <laughs> yeah. We uh, don't quite physically save lives, but we do. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we do if it's a, yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. 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 I think so. Um, And uh, (laughs) and it's important to work with someone you like and respect, like Shane Nicholson and as I said, you recorded the last album with him. You know, you plan to record with him a little sooner than you have, but the pandemic got in the way. But the pandemic also sounds like provided you with the opportunity to write more than you Mm. had already. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering um, how, if you know how many songs you wrote during that time before you had the chance to go back to the studio with him or, and if, they're, if they are all on the album, the new album or forthcoming album, or if there are some that you've kept in reserve.
1: No, they're not all on the album. Like I I finished the songs that went on the album, right. but they were the favourite ones of the ones I wrote, just if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. There were, There are a lot of unfinished songs in that period because I had really nothing else to do. Um, until things opened up and then, you know, I could find another job or whatever. But um, <laughs> I oh, I don't know. It would probably be, oh, well, this album has 11, so I'd say it was in the 20s, I reckon, of yeah. at, at least finished or unfinished songs, just something, you know, sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, if the pandemic... Um, hadn't have happened it would have been a very different album yeah. so you know those songs that I didn't finish um would have been finished <laughs> if that <makes> sense. yeah
0: <laughs> um <laughs> well look it's fantastic to have 11 to put on the album and I'm sure Shane enjoyed working with you again um and he is a fantastic producer so uh, yeah. and it's I can I, I can never really he doesn't have a distinctive sound as a producer but his albums are all excellent and it's the same with uh, drive me sane, and I'm looking forward to hearing the new one at whatever point it's ready to be <laughs> um, Now, as a child, I read you wanted to sing on stage because your father did that. So yes. I'm wondering, um, you know, how how big a part of your life his musical life was, and and what all of that involved.
1: Well, he, yeah, he, um, my introduction to country music was through him. Um, so he used to do gigs when I was a kid. Um, he would you know jam in the in the living room and I'd sing along with him um and th- there's oh, there's uh recordings of me singing before I could talk so I, I actually my first song I ever wrote was called Adia, adi adi snip adi <laughs> uh, <laughs> adi snip <laughs> Um, So apparently, I sang from an early age. Four, four was my first um, performance on stage, and then I started doing gigs with him from eight to twelve. Oh, okay. Um, So that was that was good. That kind of um, got me pocket money, Mm -hmm. and um, got me, you know, my my dog, my little foxy fox terrier, um, and a couple of bikes and stage clothes, Um, and. Pretty much my child no, I shouldn't say that. Um, a lot of a lot of things. It got me it helped my parents out, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was um it was a great way of kind of earning money and having fun. And mm. um, it's funny how what you did do in your childhood um, ends up being your job later on in life. So yeah. that was my um, apprenticeship, I guess. <laughs> did you ever feel nervous when you were a kid playing or it just was it like fun? Fearless. I right. was fearless and I wish I was fearless like that um, now. Um, unfortunately, when I say 12, like when I um, reached my teenage years, I was very self-conscious and I just didn't want to sing at all. I didn't sing again until I was, oh, I did Road to Tamworth when I was 17, but that was like a, um, you know, flash in the pan. And then I stopped and then 23, I actually decided to sing again. So it was, yeah, it was a big hiatus there. Um, yeah, so. When, yeah those when I was in my teenage years I didn't want to sing at all I could see that broke dad's heart um, I was about to say he must have wondered what happened
0: he had yeah. you for a few years and then gone
1: yeah I was um yeah it was I, I, I used to get teased a lot so I just didn't want to kind of put um the focus on me mm-hmm. so I just kind of turned into a bit of an introvert and then um I uh I didn't realize how much I love music until I started writing again. And that was probably when I was about 16, 17, which was when the road to Tamworth thing happened, which was 17. So um, I was writing again. And um, then I went down south to Byron to do audio engineering, which is um, audio production, which is like recording, um, recording people, you know. And um, so I was around a whole lot of different um, cultures and, um, learning different styles and I was introduced to Fleetwood Mac and I was like, you know, could, Stevie Nicks' voice was amazing. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a great experience and I came back and, um, yeah, a couple of years later I put in an entrance for the Charles Towers Country Music Festival and then, I re- yeah, I just went from there because I didn't know what else to do. I was a teacher. And um oh, oh I was a kindy teacher and um I was still studying because that's how desperate they were for teachers. <laughs> and um I uh, I realized I wasn't really cut out for it. I um it wasn't for me. The kids were great, but it was just yeah, it was too like I, I wasn't well suited for for sure and um I didn't know what else to do. So just got my dad's equipment and just handed out flyers anywhere I could, like within yeah. a 300-kilometre radius of Townsville, and, uh, yeah, it's been my full-time job for eight years. That's amazing. Well, particularly to
0: reconnect with it like that and, and having had so long away for it, it seems like you just threw yourself back into the fire, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and it was a bit um, because I wasn't used to the... Um, the uh, the, the fact that you're you're on stage you're kind of on a pedestal I guess and people are looking at you and you're you're the focus again that was that was very startling that was hard um at first um once I kind of was able to um get over that um you know know when to turn on your light and turn off your light that was that was an interesting thing and that was a good thing that Limbo Tells taught us um mm-hmm. I still like I'm still like turn on your light um you know just as you know your alter ego or whatever Mm. um that that was hard um once I got over that it was it wasn't so bad but you know when when people like at festivals I still get very nervous so um it's just you know something that I just got to get used to I guess (laughs) Well, or not, it's not
0: necessarily a bad thing to be nervous. I often think it's, it's, and I say it's a sign that you care about the outcome, that you want the audience to have a great experience. It's just that, I suppose, changing the interpretation of it from being this is bad to, oh, it's a sign that I care. Yeah. Um, Because because we can have that conditioning where we think, oh, if I'm nervous then it must be a bad thing I'm about to experience that I don't want to do. Mm. Um, But in the body it can feel the same as excitement sometimes
1: yeah well nervousness is uh, can be handy because it helps me breathe i don't know why i can breathe better when i'm nervous yeah, um and i have i guess that's adrenaline as well so adrenaline and excitement are very similar things. <laughs> <laughs> they feel very similar um they ha- seem to happen at the same time so um me anyway so um yeah it, it's easier to breathe and actually do those big notes sometimes that you wouldn't really do in a small room that you know they're just talking to each other you wouldn't really dare to do that um, yeah. but when you're nervous suddenly you you can channel it into your breathing and it makes it a hell of a lot easier to sing. It's a
0: fascinating insight, Tammy. <laughs> but, like, I think being on a festival stage must be like walking a tightrope, you know. You are really out there on the wire and yeah. um, and taking your life in your hands, so to speak, Um, and it's, so it would feel amazing when you pull it off.
1: Yeah, it's lovely when, yeah, especially when you hit the notes that you wanted to hit. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and you don't, you yodel when you're supposed to yodel and you don't yodel when you're not, you know. There's been times where I've yodeled where I wasn't supposed to yodel. You know? <laughs> um nervousness, you know, comes and goes. But um yeah, it as long as I can channel it, it's um not so bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you've channeled all sorts of energy into your recorded songs and they are fantastic. Um, you mentioned playing Tropic Viesta Festival. I believe you have some other festivals coming
1: up later in yeah. the year.
0: Gimpy, for example.
1: Yeah. Oh, I've got um, not Gimpy, I've got not um Gimpy no uh, Birdsville uh Birdsville races well the Birdsville pub so they've got a whole bunch of artists um, playing at the pub during the race meet um, I've got the early beach uh, music festival that they just announced um, the first lot of artists um, I think yesterday so that's in November and um, I've got some uh, something I've got a William Creek um I'm going through South Australia to William Creek, which is apparently they have um, a big shindig during the AFL Grand Final and all these artists come and it becomes this concert wrapped around the AFL Grand Final, which is different. Um, Mm. So, yeah, (laughs) that will be very interesting. Um, And uh, Rolling Stone, uh, the Festival of Cool, that's in November as well. So there's a lot of things in Queensland, yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> if you're coming, place. if you're coming up to Townsville, I'm most likely playing somewhere here. Right. Just go to tabbyoxen. It's got all my all my gigs.
0: Okay. The home
1: page Well, Tabby, it's been so great to talk to you, and I could keep talking and
0: asking you lots of questions, but I'll save it for when your next single or the album comes out, and we can chat then. In the meantime, mm-hmm. "Finding mm-hmm. Chance" is a great song. I do recommend people go and check out your back catalogue. um oh,
1: thank you. And, yeah, hope to talk to you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.